You've got to me. Join us, but we have our first female artist, guest artist, who is uh, Jane Macadam Freud. Jane, to make a small introduction for the ones who don't know her by now, she's a um, very established uh, female sculptor, um, large scale sculptures, uh, installation works, and um, <coughs> She investigates through her practice uh, sexuality, the unconscious, and other psychoanalytic theories. And if you think uh, of her name, uh, Jane McAdam Freud, it's not a there's no coincidence here. So Jane is actually uh, the daughter of um, famous painter Lucian Freud, one of the most established of his time as well and the great-granddaughter of um, Sigmund Freud. Um, the first question, uh, first of all, thank you for coming, Jane. It's, it's a great honor to have you with us today at Soho Radio at the Art Hour. And um, I would like to ask you, what is the relationship with your name and with your family? Something that it has been an inspiration to your practice or it is something that hasn't trapped you because it's something very big, very huge and created a responsibility to you to which you have to respond to? Um, yeah, uh, it's something I can't get away from, of course. Uh, what can I do? So I embrace it and work with it. Um, I think that's the healthiest way. Uh, also, I, uh, Freud or not, I love Sigmund Freud's theories. I just love them. And I love reading his texts that are so full of um, ideas, really. I think it's pretty conceptual itself if you read it as literature. Um, so I work with Sigmund Freud's theories or psychoanalytic theories in general I'd say um, maybe also Jungian a bit and um, Kleinian but I my my works are informed by those theories on some level mm -hmm. so they're not like illustrating the theories no not at all but if I look back at them I can always um, like partner them with uh, psychoanalytic concepts and I realise <coughs> that I'm driven like by my psyche like we all are so I don't rationalise everything my work's not like about designing something it's about bringing things together so you're focusing on the subconscious as Sigmund did on his theories a bit yeah a bit yeah. like using the my unconscious to guide me why did you decide to become a sculptor and not a painter for instance or not a psychoanalyst Ah, I love the way you say, <laughs> why did you decide to become a sculptor? Yeah, well, yeah, a sculptor, you mean a sculptor? 
culture. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Sorry, <laughs> apologies. <laughs> yeah, for my bad English no, accent. No, no, no. I hope I that what it. I said makes sense. Yes, it makes total sense. But I like that that's used quite a lot because generally people don't know so much about sculpture, mm-hmm. um, and so they use the word sculpture and don't really know those uh, those terms, the sculptural terms. And I think that just goes to show why I I chose it because it's a sort of poor thing of fine art in a way do you know what I mean and I I like to bring things together so I like to bring it back into the fold sculpture that is 3d uh, materials objects Um, also I wanted to do something that was all my own I didn't want to be a painter who who would do that with uh, Lucian hanging uh, you know like a massive looming shadow who would want to compete with their own father wouldn't want to do it didn't Ever. I love painting actually and I love colour but n- n- always knew I would find something for me and I felt that sculpture was Is your my thing way mm. through uh, let's go to uh, the second track and we will come back to you soon <laughs> the sound of the trumpet i think that you have used this track uh, as a background music for one of your films so apart from sculpture as yeah. a sculptor yeah. <laughs> you're also doing films yeah um yeah so lucky you've remembered this 2006 video which was called dead or alive and um <clears throat> i made it while i was in a the Freud Museum as artist in residence Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was a sort of nearly two years I think 22 month post and I looked at Sigmund Freud's antiquities you know he collected well thousands of sculptures and um, (coughs) he had them on his mantle on his table on in his bookcase everywhere Um, they littered his study and I, I looked at them and thought um, that they reminded me in their process and like the patination, so their colour and their form of some things I'd made. So I visually um, photographed, um, say, one of his objects and then one of mine and then brought them together and then separated, the, like paused them when they were together and then parted the two images again. And like there was this thing called the third thing, which is a psychological concept 
in the middle where the two pieces were layered mm-hmm. uh, one over the other and it made uh, this so thing unknown thing in like in, a collage yeah yeah and uh, and it's a, a series 26 minutes a series of my objects paired with his objects it's on youtube that um that video and it has this music by kathleen ferrier in the background because um well in the uh, crematorium where in uh, golders green where he was uh, interned um or interred is it oh i think it's interred. <laughs> um that's uh, he, he's neighbors with ferrier so she's also there in golders green so they're sort of united in death and they're neighbors in death and so uh, he he said he hated music um and oh he hated he didn't like music and had his sister's piano frog marched off the premises you know he said it's the piano or me it's disturbing my work when he was 10 i think nine or 10 like a young child Mm. and so because he didn't like music i thought she could maybe teach him how to appreciate it by singing to him and he could analyze her because she was uh um probably like the rest of the world in need of analysis so this is the title inspired from dead or alive this from the relationship that uh, they had yeah very interesting the relationship they had in death but myself I can't deceive and life I know yes. it's only and dreams yeah. and we will go back to Sigmund Freud and you mentioned about the sculptures that he had in his office and I can recall that he had one that was of great significance for him as much as I have read and I know of uh, it was a sculpture of Goddess Athena Athena, yeah, yeah yeah, exactly so I recall that uh, when we went to Athens last year yeah. um 
You told me about a story uh, that Sigmund Freud went to Athens and for a reason he felt very, very disturbed and he could not identify the reason. Oh. Do you remember this story? I sort of do and I don't. I remember telling you it, but now I'm panicking. <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot. Yeah, um, can you remember it fully? Um, but this Athens sculpture he had in the centre of his desk, like the classical world at the centre, and he set up his desk in his studio, in his study, in his study, not his studio. Um, he set it up like... Um, Ah, uh, a conceptual artist might make uh, an installation. So it was all about the placing of the objects. So he had the bear in the west, a little sculpture of a bear. In the east, he had a monkey, little little marble monkey. And in the centre, he had um, this Athena, you know, classical, mm -hmm. um, uh, the classical uh, world. And I thought that I saw these, these uh, little placing-type installations all around his study, on his mantle, everywhere. Nothing was placed randomly. And when he took one of these uh, statues uh, to... Uh, uh, well, he took one always to, to dinner in the evening. You know. <laughs> he took one to dinner. It was his dinner guest. He would always place it back on the table or the, uh, book, or the shelf or where it came from in that same place and the museum has a setup exactly the same now do um, you communicate with your sculptures as well we sort of do but you know not like hello how are you my dear <laughs> not like that but i do <laughs> but i do um i always think that they're compatriot objects so they're like they're with me in the world like um you know like we all i mean just we all need that uh sort of parent figure uh, could be like the parent in the sky you know like a sort of god deity or a parent or someone to uh, reflect our aliveness if you know what i mean reflect mm -hmm. that we are there some people have a cat but everyone needs something <coughs> and i think my sculptures when i'm uh, alone in my studio they are that thing so they're a compatriot object do you know what i mean yes yeah. but you also find some found objects so that kind of um uh, reflects a little bit to Arte Povera, I could say. And you appropriate and you change them uh, by um, usually adding linguistic games. So you play a lot with language as well. Why you do that? Oh, that's an interesting question because um, I was thinking it's almost like to repair the damage that doublespeak has done is not the reason, but uh, I was reading about uh, George Orwell's 1984 and this use of doublespeak, which is so manipulative that I think fact follows fiction and that I think is uh, partially how we're living now um, with all this post-truth uh, nonsense, um, you know, where what's being said bears no reality to what's being done so my work for example is very it uses words in the opposite way in a very literal way so i might describe the object <coughs> like with a word um uh, let's think uh a seat and this descriptive word to do with a chair written on a chair is also an invitation or an instruction to sit so it holds both um, its definition, uh, 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 it describes itself, a seat, mm -hmm. and it invites the viewer to sit, uh, or, you know, it's Can an instruction. 
they can't really sit but i want the word to have a meaning that isn't yes. double speak yeah. i'm trying to address it address the balance um, yes yeah so do you think that it's a form of cure no it's a form of cure for the world you mean like that because yes. we're in this double speak hmm, what a great question oh Vasiliki, i love that do you think it's a cure for the world oh i love it never thought of it well what a wonderful concept i'll think about it <laughs> We go to the cure then and pictures of you. <laughs> <laughs>
Adam Freud, you have done some work um, which is called Words to Make You Mine. Mm. I was really impressed about the, with this title and I actually wondered um, is there such thing for you as ownership in human relations? Um, in human relations, of course not. Of course not. I mean... If you think of a butterfly, if you try to hold it between your palms, all the colour comes off. So, unfortunately, there is not. <laughs> but we all want it. I mean, sometimes I think my biggest desire is to go back into the womb, to be living in that safe place. Um, you know, it's that Eros, Thanatos thing of, like, wanting life so much, so badly, but also... Um, wanting to leg it, you know, <laughs> wanting to leave. So the two things coinciding. So, um, but what was this title for? So what was uh, where was referring to? Um, what pictures? The of words you? to make you mine. Oh, the words to make you mine. Yes. Um, the words to make you mine. Uh, well, when I um, uh, have an object or see an object or want to use an object, a found object in my sculpture, mm -hmm. um, I often think that by writing um, on the object a word, or carving, say, a word into the wood, if it's a wooden object, um, that word suddenly changes that object, the fact that I've worked on that object and carved a word into it, it's changed the object from being in the world uh, out there uh, into something more personal into my art my oh, I don't like to call it art into my work, my stuff as uh, Rauschenberg said there's no such thing as art just stuff or something like that he said and so there's just curiosity and things or stuff and that makes that thing or that stuff uh, mine because I've carved it so I can possess in that way an inanimate object uh, rather than a person. I mean, who would not like to possess a person? I think it sounds delightful, but can't possibly do that. <laughs> okay, for mine, we will go to Us and Them of Pink Floyd, mm -hmm. and then we will explore this relation. Yep. 
That was Us and Them from Pink Floyd. And why did you choose uh, Jane McAdam for this song? And who is Us and who is Them for you? Um, well, I was Especially in the era of division that we live mm, yeah, <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think in always in art terms, and uh, we are the artist and the, uh, them is the object, and it's like which one we choose for our... our um, which ones we're wedded to. So it's like choosing... Um, a partner, you know, all oh, this and not this uh, to use in the work. So they all line up <laughs> and then you choose the bride. <laughs> They're like the bachelors and then you choose the bride, you know, to make a Duchampian reference. Um, so... Um, now you, you talked about Duchamp. Uh, we briefly, off the mic, we discussed about ideas and the conceptual aspect of your art and that basically the work that you do is an interrogation of ideas within the ideas. Would you like to talk a, a little bit more on that? Um, I suppose, I, in general, I'd like to say, um, yeah, nothing is for nothing with my work. It's all, um, it's all incredibly, um, it looks very simple and uh, looks like it's bottom lining an idea, but it's very... Uh, layered um, 
it's within itself with meaning yeah so everything has maybe some works have a whole sketchbook dedicated to them before they mm -hmm. not before they're conceived but while they're being conceived in you know in conjunction with making a work then i'll draw draw out all the permutations all the thoughts all the um possibilities until i come down on one side or another with uh, what i mean what everything's about meaning yeah i suppose it's highly conceptual in that regard but it's very physical because i love the physicality of things but i like also the concept of things in mm -hmm. fact uh, there's a the thing theory which i'm researching now mm -hmm. <coughs> for a paper i'm writing um and it's like about the way a thing in the conscious mind is um, with a word. It comes with a word. The thought of the thing, so a chair, will come with the word chair in its visual, its visual representation in our mind, the picture in our mind. But in our unconscious mind, when we're daydreaming, sleeping, um, then it comes uh, on its own as an image. So the chair will be a floating object without a word attached. And that's where... I suppose stream symbolism comes from, you know, the fact that these objects have meaning outside their word association, you know, the word for them. So they might be uh, substituting something else, you know, a chair might be flying in the air because it's, uh, it's some other thing, it means, it represents, it's a memory that's convoluted, you know, it's gone through processes and while in sleep, then it there it sits there in our dream to to mean this or that for us while we're processing the actual material of the day. You I'll know, go from the chairs to the doors, oh, <laughs> and break them through to the other side. Oh, very good.
breaking through to the other side, Jane McAdam Freud, and we started from chairs to the perception of the object, interpretation of the pro uh, object, and then we went into dreams and to doors. And I was wondering, when, where would you like to break through? Um, wow, I think um, what I was thinking about um, with this title, with these words, with this song, um, was about the fact that I used to work a lot with two-sided objects, um, like that had a, an obverse and a reverse and an edge. And um, I, this vehicle was like brilliant for uh, expressing contrasting ideas, conflicting ideas. It had side one and side two. And because the work is so imbued with meaning, I needed uh, like a tablet, a form uh, to hang this me these meanings on, these questions, these questions I'm always asking with no answers. Um, so that's what I want to break. In some ways now I've, I've broken out of that and... Um, I'm like that with a with a subject. I'll I'll sort of flog it to death and then move on. And I think I did that with that format, that relief format, modelling that involved a lot of modelling and carving, because the work now is um, much more to do with balance um, and objects being brought together, objects that exist in the world. And but it's it seems opposites, and mm. it's a big part of a big body of your work. And the way they find balance, if they find it balance, is it true? That's very beautifully said, yeah. I mean, it's pairings of opposites in many cases, yeah. The work is about, or in physically about, or conceptually about, yeah. But this sounds a very kind of conscious process. So how how far is the subconscious allowed to go in? Because it sounds too... Yeah. It, it, this to rationalize, so you, you have to be fully aware of the one to put the opposite to find the balance. Yeah. So it's a very rationalized process. Is it? Oh, I don't know. It's, I'm it's, thinking it of pairing. sounds like to me, I don't know. Pairing of ideas. You can't have your idea like a designed thing in your head. You live it. It's part of how you live. So it's, it's an idea about um, an idea in that you wonder, why am I doing this or why do I feel so against that and it's the interrogation of the idea so it's not really as you're saying rationalized but to reacting to the re irrational Re mm -hmm. I react to my unconscious so I feel that uh, uh, emotion perhaps uh, in reaction to something that's happening in the world or in my life or uh, um, yeah in my reactions perhaps and then um, I find myself putting together certain things, certain objects, and then um, I'll I'll look into like other forms of these objects and and um, and other ideas around the the uh, the subjects. They also we'll call one the premise and one the idea. So the premise might bring up its opposite, and I'll look at that, and then other similar ones, and then I'll leave it for a while. And I think when you leave the idea for a while sitting, it presents its own title, which is its own meaning. It's mm -hmm. very difficult to describe, but it's a very so it reliable... finds a way to define itself. It defines itself. It's a reliable process for me, and uh, so it's like giving birth and the child that you bring to the world. <laughs> create its own identity mm. through the, the development 
of one cell within the environment, the natural oh, environment. Yeah, I love that. With that going back to the womb thing from earlier, perhaps that's that. Uh, perhaps it's part of that wanting to go, wanting to feel safe. You know. Mm. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, we will go to Gary Jules and Mad World. <laughs> to, to further explore afterwards the conflicts and actions and reactions of our realities. Adam Freud, we're talking uh, about contemporary times and our reality and the madness and the anxiety that people have at the moment. But I feel that indeed our times are a little bit more intense than we had used the last 20 years perhaps. But humanity has always been stressful in its way. There have always been anxieties. Why do you feel that is more the world at the moment is more mad than it has been before. 
Oh my goodness, I can't believe you're even asking. I thought we were all feeling the same about, um, you know, the post-truth world, Brexit and Trump and um, the strangeness of lurching from one extreme um, of balance. Um, we were getting things in balance in a way. Um, okay, they became a bit imbalanced in that um, we have been before into extremes. I mean, historically. Yeah, we have not in my lifetime, not in Britain in my lifetime. This is right. the first time mm. in my lifetime mm -hmm. that I feel um, genuine anxiety about the future. I think we've had things up to this point um, much more stable because we haven't had a world war. Our parents were on the tail end of, well, not yours, but like mine. <laughs> mine quite uh, yeah. a few, had a few, yes. <laughs> and, um, we had civil war as well, which I consider been Greece, even worse. Yeah. You've got had a gr uh, completely different experience, of course, mm. uh, in Athens, and I totally appreciate that, of course, but it's just that uh, I just feel... I'm disappointed that I thought I was going to, this generation, there would be one generation that had seen no uh, fear in that way that mm -hmm. war and uh, disruption brings. And I feel we're just, um, we're now that everyone's quite anxious now, especially um, my American friends are very anxious at the moment. Um, and I think it's spreading over here because, you know, with uh, Theresa May going down the... Um, Oh, it looked like I'm walking down the altar hand in hand with uh, with Trump. I think it's all gone a bit crazy, and I think Mad World if we <laughs> sums were it up. If <laughs> we were um, depicting life in a shape, would it have been a cycle or a spiral? Life, would it have been a cycle or a spiral? Oh, let me think. Uh, oh, a circle, of course. Circles and cycles is what I call life. It comes in a cyclic... Uh, Everything comes round again like that, yeah. Round and round, up and down, like it says in the song, one of them that we've played. <laughs> I will go to Garbage, though, in Stupid Girl. Yeah. And then we will go to more feministic aspects of our discussion. Maybe okay. the last one. Um, topic that we're going to raise um, as uh, Women's Day is approaching soon. Okay.
feel really sad that I have to cut this song, but our time is getting really limited. And Jane McAdam Foy, do you think girls we are that girls we are stupid? No, <laughs> no, no. I, I want this song because I want to stand up for women and um, and to um, celebrate um, that. Uh, you know, this uh, position in the arts that there are more women directing things in the arts. We've got mm -hmm. like Maria Balshaw with uh, at the Tate and mm -hmm. uh, Sarah McCrory at the new Contemporary Gallery at Goldsmiths uh, when that opens. And um, this is uh, an acknowledgement of the female, yeah, the female strength, power, and to be strong, not to be uh, sycophantic to the. Um, Victorian ideal or something. But is, is this breaking from the idea of the woman as a mother? And it's breaking the role, the important role of motherhood in this oh, own way? Not really. There's millions of ways mm. of being a mother. I think it's all overrated and uh, we're being kept in our place with that ridiculous uh, stereotype. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are male mothers now, I mean, for God's sake. I mean, what the, it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think uh, we have to... Uh, stand up and be counted now and be who we are and not stupid girls, you know. Do you know many feminist men? Oh, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that question. Uh, my adorable husband, Peter. Mm -hmm. He's so incredible and so patient with me, understanding, so loving. He's a true feminist. Mm -hmm. mm, I feel very, very lucky. And do you think this yeah, is the way that we should raise our... Men, Boys, yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I'm um, uh, artist in residence at the moment in a school, mm -hmm. um, and I'm raising, I'm raising my boys. With your own way, I imagine, <laughs> I'm, yes. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm teaching my boys how to be good feminists. Exactly. Uh, that's a great contribution to the society, apart from put them, putting them conceptual challenges and <laughs> broadening their minds. Um, we will go to our last track uh, by Bjork, Valiantly Happy. And I wanted to ask uh, whether for you creativity incorporates violence? Oh, my goodness. I just love your questions. I just love them. I think that when I'm working in my studio, oh, that's how I feel, violently happy. I, I think it's Bjork. Uh, she has some super knowledge. How did she know that? It's uh, happiness is a sort of... It's powerful. I mean, violent in that regard, uh, mm -hmm. definition, powerfully happy, yeah, violently happy. So happiness can be violent? It depends on your definition of violence, but in the definition of violence as an emotion, like really powerful and strong and... Uh, Creative urge. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and forcing you to create, to be, to do. Uh, uh, yes, uh, it can be uh, a violent force. I say drive, a violent drive, yeah. Jane McAdam Freud, thank you very much for being with us today. And I'll do that for John, the one million dollar question. Oh. If you had no budget in mind, you know, to be concerned about the budget and no scale, what will be the ideal work, the ideal commission, the thing that you will ever want to do as a work? Oh my God, a commission for Turbine Hall, that massive hall, yes. To do what in there? 
I'll, I'll, th- oh, I'll think about it. I'll think about <laughs> but it. But something there. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, Jen McAdam Freud. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your Sunday morning and Bjork with Valently Happy. Whoa!